from Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom, and we have Beth Felker-Jones with us again, our theologian in residence, talking about uh, the fallenness of creation and the nature of sin, both personal and systemic. And in the last podcast, she talked about the relationship between sin that is personal, volitional, being hard to separate from sin that is systemic. So we want to just remind everybody, and again, the point of the podcast is how do our theological convictions inform our practices, our worldview? And Christians believe that the world originally good is fallen. Sin is alien to creation, but intrinsic to it at this point. I think we could say that. Um, and I don't know that we are appreciative well enough of the extent or intractability or insidious nature of sin. So I'm just going to ask Dr. Beth Felker-Jones uh, this incredibly open-ended question. So how fallen is this world and what are the manifestations of sin in it? Yeah, that's a big question. I like your words, extent and intractability and insidious, especially insidious, right? It mm -hmm. digs in there and you don't even know it's there, mm -hmm. like a parasite or something. Mm -hmm. um, the The teaching of Christian faith is not just that you and I all do sins. Uh, it's that the world is groaning under the condition of sin, right? Every human, but also all of creation, uh, affected by sin uh, and not the way things are supposed to be because of sin. Uh, sometimes we use the idea of, of thorns to kind of point to this in creation, right? Adam uh, now that we live in sin, we'll have to toil the ground with thorns. Um, those thorns are kind of a pointer to the fact, right, uh, that uh, things are not ideal, right? Things are not as God would have them uh, to be, uh, but we live in a world of violence and death. Um, and uh, it's not just thorns, uh, but all kinds of other things um, in creation and uh, in our own actions towards towards one another. So I think we're often taught, right, to think, I am a sinner, I do sins, here's a list of sins I should not do. Um, but sin is so much bigger than that. Uh, it's enormous, affecting, yes, every human, but also every aspect of creation. Um, and uh, sin also exists in what we sometimes call the principalities and powers, right? Um, uh, really big structural evil things, right? Demonic or not, uh, which... Uh, none of us can escape having to deal with, right? Um, uh, if sin affects a government or an institution or um, a culture, uh, we're dealing with the principalities and, and, and the powers. Um, and it's not just me and God and my own behavior. Uh, it's all of us caught up together in a great big web uh, where we pull on any string and the whole thing moves. Um, and where... Uh, we really can't uh, fully escape. Uh, uh, we can't escape at all without Jesus. Uh, but but we're not completely set free from in this life, uh, though we look forward uh, to final freedom from sin uh, in the next. So very fallen. 
How's that for an answer to how fallen, fallen. Earth, how, how fallen are things? Far are we fallen? Very fallen. Very fallen. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so depressing. I wish we'd, I mean, that's so depressing. We didn't, we ought not to talk about how fallen this world is mm-hmm. and how intrinsic or insidious sin is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't think about it much or we, I think we don't think about it much, right? It's not just depressing though. It would be depressing if the world were fallen and broken and that were God's will. Um, but because God is good uh, and sin is not God's good creation, but uh, a twisting of God's good creation, um, it's uh, to look at the sinful world is not to say, here's what God likes, right? It's to say, here's what God is against. Uh, here's what God wants to heal and redeem. Uh, so I think, uh, yes, it's it's serious. It's weighty. Uh, but the ultimate good news is that God is good and is against it. I'm not trying to say sin's not depressing. Just, no, no, just but, to add another dimension. But, it's, but we're not hopeless. So, right. We're not hopeless. It's a recognition right. that humanity um, pulled the string that caused this undoing. It wasn't God that pulled the thread. Yep. Uh, humanity pulled the thread. Um, and, of course, like we're Christians here, and so we know that it's in the context um of salvation, that we're, we're framing this within um, the context of, of the hope of the world. And yet, we begin at this place that almost does sound despairing. Um, well, so as followers of Jesus, then, um, our redemption is not simply personal salvation. The hope that we embrace is redemption of the created order as well. Mm-hmm. All things re- heaven and earth, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. new heavens and new earth, right? Mm-hmm. So that, so that our work is not simply to be toward the redemption of persons, but also toward the redemption of institutions, redemption of systems. So that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have to think critically, prophetically, about institutions and systems that are not reflective of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which is what, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when we talked about uh, Northern mm-hmm. and how disappointed we were in how that system of governance seemed inadequate to respond to the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. So in talking about institutional evil or systemic evil, we can go to the hobby horses, we can go to the Holocaust and and the system that was created that turned entire nations anti-Semitic. We could talk about slavery, we could talk about apartheid in South Africa, we could talk about... The Rwandan genocide. Oh, uh, Jim Crow laws in the mm-hmm. South. Um, but those are almost too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to say that happened then, that happened there, but we would never. We would never be a part of we it. We would never be a part of that. We would just know. Unless it was our children they were threatening if mm-hmm. we didn't turn in our Jewish neighbor next door. That's right. That's right. Unless it cost me economic advantage in the South. Right. This is a podcast for pastors, and so the institutions and systems we're a part of um, 
church polity, governance in a local church, uh, lines of authority, uh, those can all, I mean, those exercised wrongly or embraced uncritically can lead to local injustices that may be every bit as harmful. And even when the system's not designed for evil, it can so easily lead to evil but encourage evil, right? Um, I'm thinking of the Methodist appointment system where someone up above you puts a pastor into the right seat, right? And the idea is that the bishop can match, can match gifts to needs, but it so easily becomes a kind of career hierarchy, right? Where uh, you only want the next pastorate to pay more money and where everyone is jealous if the wrong person got appointed to there. Um, that system, again, not designed for evil, um, but it so easily <laughs> breeds all kinds of evil uh, and fails to work even as it's supposed to do. I just think about systems where people with good intentions, of course, mm -hmm. right, start to bed institutions or organizations or denominations down with rules and laws um, without local context. And, and again, this goes back to, I mean, incarnational ministry. Sometimes decision, decisions are made at headquarters or from a denominational leader that is not boots on the ground within that local church yep. and rigidity starts to happen and it doesn't make sense for that local church, but um, that's when it can become harmful. So in our denomination, uh, we, uh, we're a denomination and we have dues. We pay dues to uh, support the general church and the district church and missions and in our denomination, pensions and benevolence, right? And uh, the general church is, is dependent on the gifts of the local church and the district is contingent on the gifts, the, the, the payment of these dues. Um, which, I mean, our church pays. For the record, our church pays them all. Um, but I was talking to a local pastor whose uh, supervisor, administrator, uh, reprimanded them for not paying their district dues and um, followed that up with a threat to dismiss staff at that local church because they did not pay their district obligations. And there is polity in our denomination, which allows a district superintendent to call a church in crisis, which then gives the district authority to run the church and, dis uh, and, and pay the district budgets. And this local pastor said to me, in my, my denomination, in our denomination, I guess we have a pay-to-play system after all. Almost sounds like a hostile takeover. Um, I think I think it, uh, this is the exception, mm. but the DS would not be acting outside of polity to do that. Sure. And to Tara Beth's point about rules, right? Uh, I can imagine good and bad reasons a church might not be able to pay its dues, um, and the DS should ask, right? Um, is there a crisis? Is there uh, something going on that that makes it impossible? Um, or 
is discipline needed here because we have a, a real problem. Uh, but uh, just invocation of the rule without without finding out what's mm-hmm. really going on, right? Mm-hmm. Another way a sinful system can be a sinful system. No. And so, um, as Christian leaders, um, we we can't just tend to uh, sin that reveals itself in personal behaviors. Mm-hmm. We have to be prophetic. We have to be uh, critical and examining of how systems are destructive as well. And I just don't think we have thought strongly enough about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a saying, and I forget who said it, uh, the outcome you're getting, the system you have designed is perfectly resulting in the outcome you're getting. And so to... Uh, Northern is an independent seminary whose governance is by a self-elected board of trustees. And the nominations for the board of trustees comes from primarily the president and other board members. And so um, there's no accountability necessarily to the institution they're representing. It really is kind of an autonomous system. And so it is not surprising that um, there would be a distance between the faculty and staff and the board of trustees because the faculty and staff do not speak into the governance of the institution. And um, it's not surprising that board of trustee members would be inclined to be protective of a president who's, who nominated them to the board of trustees. So the system almost guarantees an outcome that is not necessarily favorable to the institution. It's all legal and they're following the bylaws, but the outcome of those bylaws um, has not yet been redemptive. I think that's where institutions are getting into trouble. Because they say, we're not doing anything illegal. Everything here is is legal. There's an investigation. Um, nothing illegal was done. But are we asking the question, is it sinful to the point that it's harming my brother and sister perpetually? And so as pastors, we have to look at our governance. We have to look at polity. We have to look at what our polity permits. Uh, I think we're in a place culturally where, um, for whatever reason, um, non-Christian institutions are leading Christian institutions in many ways on how to build in transparency and accountability um, and and just processes. Um, And uh, so maybe some of that bigger cultural conversation can help the specific conversation in the church uh, if if we at the church can get over our efforts to justify ourselves and to assume that all we do is right because we are the church um, and admit that we all need checks, we all need balances, we all need help um, because we're all prone to sin. Okay, so it, go, so it goes back to, once again, recognizing um, our own inclination 
mm. to sinful behavior. Mm -hmm. And our own inclination to exert power and retain control. It is such a it is such a a slothful, lazy way to lead coercively. Because I have the ability to mandate I will. Mm -hmm. And I'm I mean I find myself tempted to that kind of leadership when I'm tired or when I'm weary. Listen, I'm the pastor. This is what we're doing. Instead of working collaboratively or... And, and sometimes pastors have to make unilateral decisions, um, but I think they ought to be fairly rare. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, Jesus embodies that for us. Um, it's, it's a powering under kind of power, not a powering over. Right. It's a, um, empowering and not coercive. Um, Jesus shows us that way. And yes, it's not without decision, but you, pastors, leaders need to make unilateral decisions and we ought to be, always be aware, is my decision harming my brother or sister? Because we must constantly be aware of the power that we hold. And when we make decisions, that power can has the potential to cause more harm than when someone in the organization, lower down on the org chart, makes a decision. The higher you are up on that org chart, the more power you have and the more potential your decisions have to harming our brother sister. So Jesus said, Gentiles lorded over others. And four really, really good words. I think it's four words, not so with you. Mm -hmm. Pretty key passage. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, can you operate in a world if you're not lording it over others? <laughs> can you lead an organization if you're not lording it over others? I mean, that's where it's insidious, right? Right. That's why we practice examination and confession. Right. We can so justify it, though, for the sake of the mission, you are dismissed. Mm -hmm. My conclusion these days is that person is the mission. That's There's right. no mission outside of the persons we are ministering to. Hmm. We can so justify dismissal and discounting and dishonoring and disrespecting for the sake of the mission, uh, uh, you don't fit, uh, we're looking for somebody else. Um, I was talking to another young pastor who was truthfully, unjustly disciplined because I knew the whole story and threatened to be fired for uh, trying to hold a pastor accountable for behavior that was contrary to the polity of the church. Hmm. And in my conversation, it dawned on me that Jesus never fired a disciple. And he had cause. Now, Paul separated from John Mark and said, I'm not working with him. And Paul did exercise authority. And Paul but, wasn't Jesus. And Paul wasn't Jesus. <laughs> Paul, Paul had the same <laughs> infection that we all had. Fair. Fair. Uh, but um, what if persons are the mission? 
What if the persons we serve are the point? Yeah, we're stewards of the people around us. And one of the ways institutions get us is by convincing us they're more important than the persons. Mm, that's right. Yeah, we're more in we are more interested in stewarding the power and the impact of the institution for the institution's gain than we are with the image bearers around us. Yes. Wow. Uh, this went in a direction I wasn't anticipating, but um, what if as pastors we're supposed to be tending to people mm -hmm. and not the institutions? It sounds like some crazy Jesus wisdom to me. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like incarnational ministry to me. Uh, hmm. So do with that what you want, listeners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be held accountable for persons, mm -hmm. not for institutions. Yeah. And may that be so. All right. May we be a people who look in the eyes of the people around us as image bearers and that we are stewards of them and they of us. But those who have especially more power, may we be ever so aware and cautious and aware of the power that we hold with every decision, every move we make has the potential to either edify or tear down or harm or lift up our brother or sister. May we pursue people over institutions. May we pursue giving away rather than taking and gaining. May we be those kinds of people. So next uh, four podcasts, we'll be talking to two pastors, mm -hmm. um, one who was uh, dismissed by a church mm -hmm. and whose response to that is just so refreshing, Yeah, um, who was not afraid to speak of his own failings yeah. as a pastor followed by another uh, young man, pastor, who um, was too strong to say harassed by a denomination, mm -hmm. but who is still a lover of Jesus and lover of the church. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking to two pastors who have navigated, um, navigating being follower of Jesus in institutions that were not necessarily helpful to them as persons. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank Dr. Beth Felker-Jones for helping us understand this and for talking with us about this. The point of the podcast is to be encouragement to pastors. It comes out on Mondays on purpose so that you might be reminded of this incredible gift that God has given us as those called into ministry. And we pray that this podcast will be a blessing and not only comfort, but provocative and challenging so that we might be the best pastors we can possibly be. But may God bless you in the work that God has called you to do. 